It is said that the Duke Leto blinded himself to the perils of Arrakis, that he walked heedlessly into the pit. Would it not be more likely to suggest that he had lived so long in the presence of extreme danger, he misjudged a change in its intensity? Or is it possible he deliberately sacrificed himself that his son might find a better life? All evidence indicates the Duke was a man not easily hoodwinked. From Moadib, Family Commentaries, by the Princess Irulan. Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. Uh, with each chapter, we're opening a new bottle of wine and sifting through a chapter of Dune with a little bit of a buzzed book club. Indeed, buzz so much. And this week, Mike, we've picked up an Italian wine out of uh, Tuscany. And this one, it's got a great name. You're going to mm. love the name. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think we're finally going to hit pronunciation on the mark with the language. So this is, this is a Spice World first. <laughs> well, we got uh, Dogayolo. Dogayolo? Yeah. Wait, do, wait. D-O-G-A-J-O-L-O. Oh, okay. Uh, so the J is a, like a like a Y, like a Y sound? Yeah, yeah, Dogayolo. yeah. Like the H kind I, of. I would have yeah. definitely butchered that. <laughs> Indeed. I, oh my goodness. And uh, it's got a really kind of floral floral label, we'll say. We, uh, it's yeah. a bunch of leaves. I don't know what tree that's supposed to be coming yeah, we're from. We're not sommeliers. We just know it tastes delicious. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's got a nice little dry taste, which you're a fan of. Yeah, Good I do full like body that. flavor. And I, I can live with this. And I think this one's going to disappear right quick. Yeah, uh, no, we, it's actually, uh, it's one of those smooth kind of wines that you can just sort of drink like water, mm-hmm. which is dangerous. Yeah, so we will cleanse our, wa- our wine burden before the episode is <laughs> oh, no. done. And uh, Mike, do you remember where we left off last where week? Where we left off? Yeah, because oh. we're coming into chapter 11 this week. There's so water, we water everywhere. Right Lots of plant life, foliage, mm-hmm. the weirding room. The weirding room. Which is, yeah, just a cool name. I, I get the, uh, I sort of get the idea that uh, it's called the weirding room, probably not by the people of air, like, uh, oh yeah, definitely not. The inhabitants <laughs> of the castle, or the, it's not a castle, it's a, uh, it's a palace, yeah. Palace, uh, yeah. Or man, I guess a uh, governor's mansion is the proper one. For yeah, it. I guess I didn't put enough weight into the fact that it was Mapes who called it the the weirding room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Fremen just, yeah. at that. And so now it totally makes sense as like why it was like such and a weird, crazy, magical place. They uh, so I guess I should also say I think she points that term more at uh, Lady Margaret Fenring residing there mm. than at the room itself because weirding is sort of uh, what the Fremen applied to the Bene Gesserit. Oh. So then oh. that is why it uh, goes into Jessica, especially. It's like, <laughs> and okay. uh, ooh, while we're actually right here on this little recap, sure. I did have a thought that I didn't bring up in the chapter. All right. Uh, and actually, this is going to go back even two chapters now. I okay. want to basically, this is centered on Mapes. Okay, hit me up. So when Paul catches that hunter seeker, he's got it in his hand. Right, right. Uh, he gets a water burden on Mapes because he saves her life. To, right. to cleanse that, she tells him a secret. I know who your traitor is. Oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> that's that was the exchange right there. Okay, okay, but so, okay. The cleanse the okay. So she traded information for yeah. the fact that 
that her she, life was saved. She owed him his life. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah, she owed I him. I did her not life. catch that actually. So well, thank you for bringing that up. Even better to go back. So yeah. now I got to go back one bit more though. Let's go all the way back to chapter one, Dan. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Let's start over. I missed. Paul was not asleep. You're telling <laughs> me. Um, but Jessica passes Mapes' test. Mm-hmm. Mapes doesn't tell her there's a traitor, even though she's oh. kind of like uh, selected her. It's like, like you're you one of us now. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just within all that, Jessica does not qualify for that information. <laughs> so that, that occurred to me. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. I guess the import of the fact that her water was not spilled. I, I Yeah, well, even so, just but that like, you brought her into the fold that you don't think uh, to warn her. No, I or, meant in terms of uh, Mapes and Paul. Like okay. the importance of the fact that like her life water was not spilled. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, maybe that, that's why she's yeah. willing to. Of like, and that's even more important than the fact that she's like the prophesized one or something like that. In a way, I mean, Jessica could have spilled more water. That's true. It was the potential in that's both areas. True because Mapes like, oh, my was God. ready you know to what? die. All right, chapter eleven, Duke Leto. Okay. <laughs> so long, Mapes. <laughs> you little raisin, you. So yeah, we are uh, Duke Leto heavy chapter. There's mm-hmm. going to be a few of them in a row, and the quote that started this one off not enigmatic whatsoever. No, it's pretty clear cut. <laughs> do you want to just take a stab? Uh, do you think he is deliberately sacrificing himself? Have you gotten that feeling? We've gotten a little bit of like Leto's actual impression of what's going on from when him and Jessica were talking in the Great Hall. Um. Okay. So I, I thought about this for a little bit, mm-hmm. and. The part that got me was, is it possible he deliberately sacrificed himself so that his son might find a better life? Mm-hmm. Now, I know he loves his son, but I think what he really cares about, too, is the future of his house. Yeah, definitely. More and so. The two are, they're, they're kind they're, of mutually. They're or, inextricably connected. Yeah. For sure. You can't have one without the other at this point. Yeah. But better life. He had to go no matter what. It was two pile or this. Yeah. He went into doing this. I think better life two pile sounds pretty good. It from all accounts, <laughs> it's like a dream so. World. I don't think better life is really a good way to think about that. So I disagree with Princess Irulan on this one. Yeah, and I mean, well, she's just kind of posing the question. Uh, I don't think she's coming to that conclusion. She does this kind of end on like clearly he did. He wasn't like uh, ignorant of being tricked. Like no, he kind of no. like was aware, which we know but, f- uh, as a fact. Uh, though I think her the first part in that where it's a measure of him misjudging the intensity. I think it's really interesting, kind of dead on. True. So maybe the plan is a little bit bigger than he first envisioned. Right. Or well, not well, like, the trap, uh, I this should to say. Me, it kind of brings back the bull ring and uh, stepping into it where it's something you know you could potentially die, but you think you have a handle on it. Right. You think you can. he knows what hand the knife is in, so to speak. But he didn't realize the stealth bull behind him. Stealth bull with poison horns. Yeah. And that's how they get you. So, yeah, it's kind of just trying to put this in a different frame mm-hmm. in the Irulan context. And then I guess we always look at it as knowing Irulan's writing this from the end of the story, mm-hmm. uh, knowing she knows everything that happens. Right, right, right. So I guess, again, this does hammer home. There's no hope for the Duke. Yeah, no. I mean, like, <laughs> we already know he's not surviving this, but... Uh, hey, I hold out a little <laughs> glimmer, Mike. He seems like he's got it all under control. You just hope to open the book one day and it's just different, like, whoa. It's a little shorter. Yeah. Oh, I'd be so happy. And they live happily ever after. <laughs> With the two pile. Paul's still on Caladan. <laughs> yeah, they would... <laughs> He's got the key. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, but I guess, uh, so that, that little quote, interesting, but jumping into the meat of this chapter, mm-hmm. well, we joined the Duke and he is not in the, um, governor's mansion. We are at a landing control tower outside of Arakeen. So we are at sort of like, um, 
the uh, where the frigates are going to come down from space and settle. So it must be an enormous track of land for these like basically skyscrapers to come and touch down and take off. Right, right. And then we get a first glimmer of sort of the geography surrounding uh, this area. Uh, when the Duke is looking over, he sort of looks to the left and the right, and uh, Arakine is off to the left, and we see three different colors, yellow, white, and blue lights sort right. of shimmering it off. Do those colors have any sort of, like, uh, significance? Like, if I know specifically what yeah, they Yeah, like, to? what they belong to? Like, is I, it the Emperor's colors kind of thing? No, no, I do not. Um, I just imagine it's, like, the blooms of light, and maybe... One of them is going to be like local houses and stuff. Mm. One is going to be like the bigger industrial buildings. And then the, I'm thinking like the blue could even just be like suspensors or, you know, any kind of floating or more technologically advanced thing. If there are any like frigates flying over the city, maybe things like that. I don't know. uh, We don't get a feel for like how active everything is, the environment around it, Mm. like things moving and going. Uh, So I I don't know what exactly those tied to or why he chose those three colors. Okay, I just didn't know if there was, like, some sort of hidden meaning behind that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of them are the house. Like, the Atreides house colors are uh, black and green. Black and green. We established yeah. that. So I think the Emperor is, like, red and gold. And okay, uh, I'm not sense. sure of the Harkonnens. Yeah, I wonder what the Harkonnens are. Probably black. <laughs> Probably <laughs> just, black, yeah. Just, like, as evil as we can make it. Um, and then off onto the right, though, we have the shield wall. And yeah, I, so the shield wall is, like, the, the wall of the... Uh, they're in a basin, right? Yep. Yeah. So is it the wall of that basin, sort of just the rocky cliffside? Yeah, yeah. it's just like this enormous rock structure on that side that's sort of like blocking the storm winds that would come through normally. Okay. Oh, Uh, so it's almost like a like a small mountain kind of. Yeah, I I think it's yeah. Imagine more of like a big mountain ridge, but it's like one continuous like like a tectonic plate pushed up, and it's in its entirety. Uh, It seems like it's really imposing and is this sort of structure. And Leto looking off to it. Um, I think we even see uh, sort of the light mingle with the tips of it. And he's sort of describing this. So it even like, it just sort of like breaks the horizon mm-hmm. looking out there and you can't see beyond it. And is the shield wall on the map? It is on the map. Yeah. It's going to be, um, if you're looking place. at the map in the back of the book, mm-hmm. Arakeen is in sort of the top center and the shield wall will be off to the right of that. It should make sort of a elongated rectangle kind of shape. Oh, Pearl. Basin is uh so is Arakeen in the Imperial? Wait, no. Yeah, it is. is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, oh, a, oh, it's up there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, on the very. So I, I mean, I want to say gotcha. north of the map, but remember, we are looking uh, from the polar cap down. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's probably closer. We would be along the meridian. Oh, I guess I didn't realize how close Carthag and Arakeen were to each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Imperial Basin's like it basically keeps them all bottled up in one area, and we didn't like so we didn't move crazy far in choosing a new capital. Uh, there's only like this one great place to build these kind of cities. Hmm. But now we're we're in this little dusty garrison town off to the side. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. So I'm glad. And uh, now we are. So before we were in like center of Arakeen proper in the governor's mansion. We're on the outskirts of it now mm-hmm. since we can kind of look back and see the whole city from where we are. I love that there's a little picture of uh, a sandworm like a sea serpent in like uh, traditional yeah, like the, maps. Yeah, yeah little, little uh, explorer maps. That's cute. Of the new world. And uh, so looking out over this, the Duke Leto, he's processing some thoughts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we learn of a little notice that is posted all around Arrakis at this point. Yeah, and uh, all of the major populations. Mm-hmm. So this is like, uh, I, w- I don't know how long ago they would have put this up since we've been planning this for a couple months to come over here. Mm-hmm. But it's a notice from our sublime potty shot emperor, <laughs> emperor 
has charged me to take possession of this planet and end all dispute. And, <laughs> and end yeah. all dispute. Yeah. Uh, Leto himself knows, like, uh, he refers to it as a fatuous legal that's, statement. That's some, like, World War stuff right there. Like, the war to end all wars. Mm. Everything will be great. Yep. And, yeah, there's, there's no truth to this. Mm. Uh, the houses minor that are on this world, they are hearkening to a man, he says. Yeah, or probably. Yeah. Essentially, like, if, I they're, mean, yeah. if, they're, not, if they're not officially aligned with him, they are economically aligned with him, probably. Probably. Or they are used to taking their cut of the pie, and they are not going to be happy with how the Atreides do business. And it assumes the Fremen probably don't fall for it either, because they're a very, like, keen mm-hmm. uh, people. Yeah, yeah, I think they see through the BS of the Imperium very easily. It feels like he's putting a lot of weight into the Fremen right now, and not just a matter of just, like, they could be great allies. I feel like he's more thinking, like, they have to be great allies because we're donezo if, like, they're not. Yeah, yeah, he knows that's their only hope. Mm. Uh, they need battalions of the Fremen before so the So then he Sonicar has to have a up. lot of confidence in Duncan Idaho to send him as their emissary mm-hmm. to, like, try and negotiate, which apparently, I guess, is going okay. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's, uh, we haven't heard anything bad yet. Yeah, and, I mean, the ceasefires, uh, that's a plus. As last, yeah. what is, they mentioned it when uh, Jessica and Lita were talking. Yeah, we got yeah. sort of a, a little hint that it's going good, um, or that he, did he, Or that it's not it going success? bad, again. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really know. Until, until he shows up and lets us know. Uh, but yeah, I, and I imagine you think weighing out all of uh, the lieutenants of his that we've met so far, like he wouldn't have chosen them carelessly. And it clearly seems like Gurney wouldn't have been a bad choice either. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a fighting man. Thufir, a little old, you know. Probably, I probably wouldn't keep up, But like, ooh. Maybe you're... Dr. Yui. <laughs> <laughs> you think he'd be respected? Yeah. Oh, for you. <laughs> I think he'd have a mental um, breakdown. But this, he also, there's this line that he constantly says throughout this chapter, and I think this might be around the same, like the first time that it pops up. And it it says, is the first time, yeah. Uh, that they have tried to take the life of my son. So this little mantra he's going to keep repeating to himself through this chapter. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a fire in him right mm-hmm. now. This guy's angry. Yeah, and we're watching uh, this fire is kind of burning in the background while he's trying to go about his normal business. And I think this is going to kind of let us uh, get in the head of the Duke so intimately for this chapter that we can then uh, extrapolate that out for previous ones and future ones. Like, mm-hmm. this is what this man is like uh, when you clash sort of like his business life and his family life, which right. he normally compartmentalizes so separately. Uh, where we know, you know, he's this rigid man of loving and yet, you know, hard as stone at times. And we really, like, I didn't, uh, last time I said that he wasn't able to compartmentalize it that well when he was speaking with Lady Jessica. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think in here, like, it definitely shows you from his perspective a little bit more. Him saying, like, I'm alone. I can afford to have this moment of uh, maybe selfishness to, like, feel this anger. Yeah, and And are you kind of, like, alluding to the end of the chapter? When he gets on that lift. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, as soon as the doors open up, it's like business, business, business. As soon as it's closed, like, they have tried to kill my son. Yeah, He he never says that in front of anyone. Kind of folds in on himself again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he spots a vehicle approaching while he's saying this to himself. Mm -hmm. And it's this car kind of cruising up the long track to this uh, watchtower. Right, right. And he's thinking, like, he's hoping that that is Paul and that this delay has happened because Hobbit's lieutenant is being cautious. Mm -hmm. Which he knows it must be that way, but he's really eager to see his son. Right. Uh, Almost just as much as um, Jessica was in that one where she had run down to the room. They both love him immensely. "Mm -hmm," And will do whatever. And then 
right as he's having that, then the mantra comes right back. They tried to take the life of my son. And we're still looking out this window. We uh, get an idea of this landing pad Mm -hmm. uh, where there are five Atreides frigates posted around the rim, like monolithic sentries. Yeah. (laughs) It was really cool. And these must have just been guild ships kind of coming in the middle of this, like, uh, overwatching Atreides frigates. Uh, Well, the guild ships don't enter atmosphere. No, no, the Highliners don't. Oh, but the, oh. these are like shuttles coming down and back. Okay, uh, okay. So, and these ones are taking the spice workers up. So they're not going back to like Caladan or anything like that. Right. They're going, I don't know where these guys end up going for their, uh, when their temp work is up. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, riding that wave of sort of uh, a little bit of selfish emotion for himself. He looks up at the stars. He does. This and- was really sad to read. Uh, the, the little, little twinkle up there. Yeah, noting that like around one of those little twinkles circles his home. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a Caladan, and he wonders like uh, if I'm ever gonna see it again. Uh, I think it even is that um right before he has that wave of uh, or it's right after he has this wave of uh, self pity, and yeah. it says he immediately despised and rejected. It swept through him for some reason and found himself recalling two lines from the poem Gurney Halleck often repeated. My lungs taste the air of time, blown past falling sands. What an apt uh, quotation for this planet mm-hmm. and for the state that uh, Leto finds himself in, the situation. Yeah. And I, I like that there's uh, this emotional recognition, but not control, mm-hmm. uh, which the control is what we'd see in like the Bene Gesserit. But he feels the self-pity. He hates it, but it still just washes right over him and what like, you- can't stop it. I think he's coming to terms, too, the fact that like he's not going to be around much longer. Like... If it, he doesn't uh, die from this trap, surely there's another one already ready to be sprung on him mm-hmm. should the first one fail. Like, it's just going to keep coming. I think he's come to terms with the fact. I guess maybe uh, going back to that first quotation, maybe he did know the dangers and that he wasn't going to make it. And he was trying his best to sort of set up the pieces so that his house could continue because he does love his son immensely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, he knows Paul is going to be left with wherever everything falls. Right. So like and yeah, that, if he can do it so that it falls in the best place possible, it's better than Paul being dead. And uh, that this place has to be for Paul and that somehow he has to find something that will, will inspire him to make this his home and make him yeah, fight that, for it. That was nice. Um, that kind of bit where much like when he was forcing the conversation mm-hmm. and he keeps up his uh, kind of uh, image of himself being more confident or liking a situation more than he does. Mm-hmm. We're going to have him. He's going to kind of lie his way through to Paul to be like, convince Paul this is your home. Yeah. Even though inside he's like, this is my personal hell. This is that my I've been hell and to. I will die here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate this. I need Paul to call this home. Yeah. <laughs> now, we also learn that the emperor uh, sent the duke a little bit of a note. So I think this kind of goes hand in hand with that. With uh, the posting? The posting that's in the popular places. This is like how I really feel. And it um, starts off with this uh, emperor. He calls him his noble duke. And then there's these disdainful allusions to veiled men and women uh, where the emperor in his note says, but what else is one to expect of barbarians who, whose dearest dream is to live outside the ordered security of the Fra Luchis? So we know that's like the strict uh, class system of the Imperium. So Was that the emperor's letter? Yeah. Oh. So this, is the, this is like a private little thing. So he, uh, he sent it off to the Duke. And it is talking about the Fremen, I assume, or at least Probably, all, the well, peop- all the populace. I mean, anyone Arrakis. that's not in the nobility, really. Mm-hmm. Then he looks down on. And Leto has this sort of stirring moment where he's like, the only dream he has is to end all class distinction and deadly order. Mm-hmm. He mentions like that would be the thing he would love to achieve if he could. Jeez. I'm like, yeah. If 
If only. Uh, but at the same time, I don't feel like he ever acts or shows us in through his actions that that is what his dream is. Again, citing how he treated Mapes in the hallway. I think he was perfectly fine with class distinction in that moment. Yeah. Treating her <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's uh, a little hypocritical when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, 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 that one. I'm like, you say that now. You could have shown me that about 30 <laughs> minutes ago. Um, so that uh, we go on a little bit and have that uh, emotional moment where this wave of self-pity goes over him. And then uh, we talk a little bit about the desert. Mm-hmm. We talk a little bit about this uh, beyond the shield wall. Right. Uh, and I get this little line of um, the central wastelands beyond those moon frosted cliffs were desert, barren rock, dunes, and blowing dust, an uncharted dry wilderness with here and there along its rim and perhaps scattered through it knots of Fremen. First of all, moon frosted rocks on, on point, Frank. That's awesome. That's just it's great imagery right there. And again, I mean, this is still the afternoon, isn't it? Or are we in maybe early evening at this point? Uh, it's hard to tell because the sky's always black. Because the sky, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's the, terrible. I, up here. I assume the sun is going down because the first of the moons is rising. Yeah, yeah, yeah that could be. And uh, yeah, and I mean, it would have been enough time for Paul. He had to drive all the way out of the city, right? So yeah, we'll give it like a couple hours, yeah, yeah. hour, hour two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that's interesting. That's a beautiful thing. And that's going to be that giant seal or shield wall we have out there. Mm-hmm. And I like that uh, beyond it right now. We're still just talking sort of like myths and myths and rumors of mm-hmm. like we don't know. Knots of fremen scattered throughout. Like everybody is so unsure of how many fremen or where they live in this book. <laughs> At least all the nobles who come to take charge of a wreck. Right, right, right. And again, we're you know we're hit with like the fremen. They're the hope for the Atreides, unless the Harkonnens have infected them. He leaves that kind of thought to himself. Like, do you even think that's a possibility, Mike? Mm. Oh, I don't know. I want to say probably not, considering our one interaction with Mapes. Mapes makes her position pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They're, there's something bigger going on with the Fremen. Where I, like, I, I want to learn more about them. I want to meet a couple more because if Mace was any indication, it's like they're going to be very interesting to have dialogue with. Yeah, yeah. A uh, lot of which just, I will probably not understand at all and have to try and decode after the fact. Just like context clues, yeah. but just to watch them clash uh, with these people from the Imperium. Uh, yeah. And one just seeing, you know, uh, we saw these two people encounter Mapes who are probably the two most open to recognizing like <laughs> uh, stations in life mm-hmm. and evaluating people with an open mind rather than being like, well, that person's the maid and right. just like come approach them thus. So, yeah, it's no wonder that everyone sort of underestimates them or doesn't pay them any mind. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of their best weapons, to be honest. I think it's something they kind of guerrilla warfare yeah. use to their advantage, mm-hmm. even though it is perceived as their weakness. Right. And they, uh, yeah. Because, like, okay, like, I guess for some perspective here, if uh, the Harkonnens have been badgered constantly with, like, raids from the Fremen. Mm-hmm. And, Which they were. Yeah. yeah. And they're too embarrassed to tell the Emperor about them because everyone thinks the Fremen are weak or kind of pointless or useless. It doesn't matter. But if someone were to say, oh, there's, like, a legion of Sardaukar that are constantly raiding us, you're like, oh, shoot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, let's send some help. And we're already starting to equate them to possible equals to the Sardaukar. Yeah, we're hopeful. At least it seems like the Atreides have affirmed that entirely. Like, so, yeah. Leto is willing to bank everything I'm, on these guys fighting Sardaukar. I'm thinking that them. perception is quite like a weapon, too, because this is what's given the edge in the Atreides plan now. Mm-hmm. The fact that everyone does underestimate them. And I, you think uh, it was like a something that f- 
the Harkonnens made up and then regretted later on, telling them that the Fremen weren't a problem. Mm-hmm. And then this grows and grows. Like, and it's oh, like, well, we can't no. go back now. I can't <laughs> we ask said for we help. We could handle it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Piter just had a meeting. He's not going back in there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he would argue with the Baron too. <laughs> right up like, until. Why don't you go tell them? <laughs> if it's your plan. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah he, he totally would throw that. that one out there. <laughs> so we then, uh, Mantra comes out again. Yeah, they tried to take the life of my son. We are at three so far. Is it three? I thought it was only two. Nope. We're at three. We got one, one two. One. Oh, you're right. You're right. One, he two, does. Three. They book it. There's two that come rapid fire. It's, I love how we both actually tried to keep count on this. <laughs> this is really you, good. You, you got to. Because uh, yeah. I was curious as to how many. There's actually only one long pause uh, coming after this next one when mm-hmm. we deal with uh, all the men coming through and Gurney comes in. Right, right, right. But before that happens, uh, this is kind of my favorite little paragraph in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a shuttle comes in from orbit really quick and a scraping metal racket vibrated through the tower shook the parapet beneath his arms. So Duke Leto, he's just in this room. He's in mind. He's on, yeah. He watched that car come up. So now I imagine like this whole building starts rocking. A light must kind of blaze in. as like whatever engine slowing the ship down. Right, right, right. And blast shutters just dunk, 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 drop down in front of him and uh, block the view. And I think it's just so great and cool. And so a shuttle's coming in, he thought. Right. Like this thing is just landing down in front. This is all automated. And he just thinks, Time to go down and get to work. And like just goes to it. And like we cut, you know, dropping right out of that. Um, they tried to take the life of my son. He, he goes turned, he goes into Duke mode. Yeah. And he heads down to this big assembly room, uh, trying to remain calm as he descended. And then mantra number four. So uh we go down to a yellow domed assembly room and I before, I thought this was a much smaller building than I think I gave it credit for, mm-hmm. where it just says he's at like a landing control tower, uh, you know, outside of Air Keens. I just thought like one little dinky tower by like an airport strip. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be the case since there is an 800 person assembly room right down below him. Right. Like a large yellow dome. So this must be an enormous structure. And then when we're talking to Gurney, there's a floor even below that mm-hmm. where all the spice workers are waiting. Right, right, They're right. all on their way out. So we got a, a lot of people jammed in here, and it seems like there must be so many outside of like that Duke wherever he was like kind of having a moment to himself mm-hmm. beforehand. And these people are all streaming in, and they have their space bags slung yeah. over their shoulder. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to <laughs> – I read that, and it comes up a couple times. It Toasted his space that is, bag. That is the more annoying part, that what, it comes up twice. What's the difference between a space bag and a regular bag? It's a zipper. <laughs> what? It's, it's always a zipper. Just a zipper? I don't know. No, no, you're just making this up, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. There, there is no extensive uh, space bag article in the encyclopedia. I, I don't know why you need a different bag for space. I guess, uh, what? I mean, we di- we didn't even land on the moon yet when this was released. So but Frank we was... didn't bring moon bags when we went. Yeah, no, <laughs> we just brought bags. Uh, I think Frank was just sort of using a little bit of uh, imagination there. It's so funny because he's so like on point with a lot of things in here, like the thumb drive kind of Bible. Yep. Yeah, a film um, book. I think, yeah, the film book. And uh, I think we've been like, wow, this guy's amazing doing this. This is just one of those mm, didn't quite hit the mark ones. Yeah, yeah. It might have sounded better back in 65. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't so, do it for uh, us, though. Space bag. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. That is as cheesy Doesn't as Doesn't quite make get. it. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, though. So uh, I noticed that this is our first look at normal people. If not just like advent- more adventurous than your like day-to-day. Like you're one of the mil- plead, but... uh, military men. Yeah. 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 They're just like step up. They're... The grunts. Exactly. So they know what it's like to live the normal life. And it seems like they are all fans of Gurney Halleck. 
and good for them. That's who they rode down here with. So, <laughs> you think that's why that uh, shuttle came down so quickly? Gurney's just like, yeah. I'll show you how to make an entrance. <laughs> Takes burns controls. Oh God, burns down. <laughs> yeah, he is a pretty good pilot. Uh, oh, is he? Yeah, I think he's like I think Duncan is the better pilot of them. Mm. Uh, but so it's well, maybe maybe he took the yeah. frigate. I think he's out back playing the ballast though. If Probably. I know if I know Gurney, he's going to do whatever he has to <laughs> to not do the work. And, like he's going to go play the ballast. That makes sense. Yeah, not in a lazy way, just right. in an inefficient right, way. Right. This, this dog's been around for a while. And uh, so these are the last wave of the Atreides coming in from Caladan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we showed up, you know, earlier this morning. Maybe I guess we were like the second to last wave of Paul, or if mm-hmm. this was the ultimate last ship coming down from orbit or something. Mm-hmm. And they all go silent when the Duke comes into sight at the top of the stairs. So you can just kind of imagine that this guy, we already know the Duke Ooh. has presence. I think every time Paul like mentions like he comes in like this, you know, you know when the Duke is in front of you. Right. And when he's standing there. And uh, I like that all these guys go silent. Gurney Halleck just, you know, weaves his way through, Balisette in hand. And the Duke is watching Halleck, admiring the ugly lump of a man, <laughs> noting the glass splinter eyes with their gleam of savage understanding. Here was a man who lived outside the Frau Freiluchus while obeying their every precept. Mm-hmm. Great description of Gurney Halleck. Uh, and knowing that this is like from the Duke's point of view, this right. is how he sees him. That he admires him for that too. The fact yeah. that like you can do it, you can get away with it. Like, well, and I think, and again, I just want to point out, this is a guy we didn't send to the Fremen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no. So like, I really want to meet Duncan too. Yeah, I just, that's what I want. Yeah, I want to build him up a little bit more. Like, like you said, we know El Morte better than we know Duncan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, we need to know more. We almost know. We know El Morte as well as we know Paul. Is what I'll <laughs> yeah, say for that. That's about right. It's one of my favorite characters now. It's El Morte. <laughs> it really shouldn't be. <laughs> and um, I wanted to kind of emphasize this last line here of a man who lives outside the Frau Freiluchus while obeying their precept right. because we know Gurney was a member of a minor house. Yeah, he was part of it before. So he knows the etiquette. He knows the procedure and he, the hierarchy. Right. To be that guy standing on the top of the stairs and to be the guy down on the bottom of it, where I feel yeah. like he has experienced all of them and has found like this comfortable spot that is truly just him. And he can like since he knows them both so well, he can move to wherever he needs to. He is sort of dangerous in that sense where he can be charismatic to whoever he needs to be mm-hmm. in that moment. He can choose to do that like on the flip of switch. Yeah. And so um, he uh, goes and he greets Leto. Mm-hmm. And what I like in this little exchange is very small that Leto does speak first to him. Like he yeah. doesn't speak before Leto does. Oh, so yeah. Like, no, that, th- that's the thing that he knows. Turn, yeah. But so as much as like he's on, you know, super uh, what would be like um, doing the formalities with Leto there. He gestures with the ballast and he does not put that down when he's pointing at the troops. Uh, so well, I that was great. Little A, little B. Yeah, little <laughs> like, calm A, little calm B. Yeah. <laughs> So like he's still. There. I think that that again sort of follows suit with that like, oh Gurney, just like all right, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna see the Duke really. He almost gets fed up with Gurney a little bit. Like there's a little bit of a sigh while Gurney's quoting some stuff out. But because uh, you wouldn't be doing that like in a court with someone, yeah. And so uh, Lido pulls him aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they step into a little alcove, and then it mentions a coil slot water machine it is standing there. So what is that? I uh, so you kind of think yeah. it's the potential for something fascinating, right? 
Oh, it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's really boring. Oh, yeah. So like, I was like, what's a coil slot machine? Dun, 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 searching around. I'm pretty sure, Mike, this is just like in a... Is this just a water cooler? No, but like a snack vending machine <laughs> with a horizontal <laughs> coil that spins and pushes out the snack. I think it that's what it is. <laughs> oh, man. So I think it's just like a bottle of water that it like pushes <laughs> out the coil. <laughs> Without like adding a vending machine to his futuristic space universe, is like how can I describe this? So I think that's now that just paints this wonderful picture of like this great noble and this uh, haughty bard like guy having this serious conversation in front of a vending machine. Yeah, like a big Coca Cola in between, like some some brand name in the movie that's gonna be all lit up. (laughs) It's super bright in a dark alcove. Duca Cola. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God, and. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted it to be more fascinating. <laughs> I wanted it to have some magic, but I am 99% certain that is yeah, all that is. I Yeah, I, I tell you, I'm not disappointed, but mm-hmm. I am. But And uh, another place where there's just like uh, water in a little corner, I think, because uh, we saw the dusty uh, water flask up in like, I think in the conservatory. Uh, oh, was it teaching Yui's side yeah. room? That's just, again, another, inf- like he's taking a moment to let us know that, the, hey, this thing is here. It's not, and uh, and the fact that you'd have to pay for it, it's not free. Oh yeah, yeah, water, pricey. So making these people the first thing, uh, the first chance they get to get water in the world, they got to pay for it. Potentially, mm. these new guys coming down. But Gurney, uh, he sits his bag down, keeps his ballast set in hand. Mm-hmm. I, I love that too. It's like him. that doesn't like <laughs> we trade this one like a baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't care what's in there. And uh, Leto asks Gurney, he needs to give Howitt, uh, Thufir Howitt, as many men as he can spare. And Gurney doesn't even, like, hesitate. It's like, gotcha, 300 is my best. Yeah. Uh, and the Duke lets him know, like, if we move fast, we may gain a measure of security, the breathing space we require. He wants as many men as you can spare, men who won't balk at a little knife work. I like that. Yeah. It also gives you an idea of that uh, Gurney, despite the fact that, like, oh, we've got another uh, weapon master, like, Duncan Idaho can do that. Gurney sort of gets to relax a little bit, but he still has a huge command, probably. And yeah. the fact that he can just be like 300 of incredibly well-bodied soldiers. You got him. Whatever you need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think to put a point on like him passing that duty off to Idaho is almost maybe just more training the troops and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, as far as commanding units go, like he's still very much involved yeah. in that. And it seems like each of these lieutenants has their own sort of core of troopers that are their men or so, somewhat loyal to them or assigned to them. We have what's called the Air King crisis coming up here soon. Do we get to see Gurney Halleck in action, like actually fighting some baddies here? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're every no one is going to be spared the Air King crisis, Mike. Okay. Yeah. Even Dr. Yui is going to get some blood on his hands. Oh, 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 gosh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So, like you said, Gurney, not a hesitation mm-hmm. at all. Uh, and it makes you wonder, I guess, uh, kind of work is gurning we know what thufir's doing yeah jessica let us know that yeah death and deceit everywhere he goes but clearly gurney's men aren't like too clean and prim and proper either if like the duke knows like i can count on some of these men to do some yeah they're the roughnecks they're like all right let's get our hands dirty boys (laughs) and uh so before gurney can leave to do that uh leto holds him aside for one more moment he tells him i got another thing uh we got to talk about and the field commandant is going to be delaying a shuttle was supposed to go up to the guild mm-hmm. uh, highliner. He's going to delay it until dawn. And the shuttle is going to be carrying some spice. Oh, because they were going to be given the option to leave world with uh, the judge of the change, right? 
Right. Uh, but just is, also, that this is like, this is the first load of a Atreides spice going up. Oh, I did mention, or, so that, oh, we don't know if it's, is it the first? Because they've yep. been there for a bit. Yep. But he, uh, or, okay, I guess we don't know if it's first. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's first, but it's enough that, like, Gurney asked him, though. Like, oh, is it ours? Right. And that's why I'm assuming it's the first. Be, if, like, <laughs> if he's like, oh, it's finally our spice going yeah, up. It would feel like, kind of a slap in the face, like, that's not our spice going up. No. <laughs> last <laughs> of the Harkonnen spice. It's like, uh, should we, maybe Gurney's thinking, like, should we get that? Like, <laughs> you want me to get some of that? Before we go to Holland, I got 300 <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah. Like, we can get some spice, boss. That's, that's actually probably exactly why he's asking, to be honest. I think Gurney is the kind of guy's like, I'm not afraid to do a little bit of dirty work. I, I don't. Especially if it involves Harkonnens. Like, he'd be I'll, more I'll than it. happy. I know he would be more than happy to kill him. I think he had a little more understanding that that was a trade. No, spice I'm, no I'm, I, I think he's excited. All right. He don't, because if that's happening. Call Dr. Yui, let's the Atreides are getting some money. That means we're going to be getting some stuff and we can be doing more operations. Gurney can go have some more fun. Uh, that would be just great. Just run out there. <laughs> jump on, grab the Highlander <laughs> bottle and take it off. Riding it up. What's that movie? Dr. Strangelove where he rides the yeah, bomb down. The bomb down. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you are right, though, ultimately why he's stopping them. So be, that spice is going up. It's taking uh, these 800 outgoing spice workers with them. Mm-hmm. So we need to save as many of those as we can. The judge of the change, who we know is uh, Dr. Kynes, mm-hmm. he's allowing them to leave. Right. And uh, he wants Gurney to go down, and he needs him to persuade them. Yeah, because judge of the change can't be bribed. Can't be bribed. We know that. We tried. <laughs> yep. We tried. <laughs> we tried. Oh, how much money Thufir must offer Yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love this, though. Gurney's, re- like, once persuasion. you tell him to persuade them. How strong a persuasion, sire. He's like, I want them willing cooperation, Gurney. I think Gurney's done this before. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you think the Duke's, like, think, remembering that yeah, moment. Like, like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, well, we don't need a repeat. No. Last time he uh, just brought me back a hand. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, uh, no, I think that that's more like, uh, I haven't actually met the guy, but I feel that's Beast Raban kind of thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, entirely. Yeah, uh, yeah we got, uh, we've met him a little bit in the Gurney Halleck backstory. We haven't met a real, yeah, real, not uh, real Beast Raban. We've met yeah. the Encyclopedia Raban. Um, I found out that the Fremen have an interesting name for him while going through the glossary. Oh. Yeah. So I might put you that to you at some point. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you what it is, but yeah. if it came from the glossary, I guess Yeah, no, on, that's, that's, <laughs> and, um, as we're telling him he wants this cooperation, uh, the Duke's saying, like, how it believes there could be some bad ones planted in the group, but he sees assassins in every shadow. Oh, this line. This line got me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gurney responds, Thufir has found some very productive shadows in his time, my lord. But uh, Duke Leto's next response, and there are some he hasn't found. Yeah, and you could just, you, you, know, read, you know right after that comes, and they tried to take the life of my son. <laughs> yeah, in his head, yeah, no. yeah. But like, no, probably not, because he's, he's staying in Duke mode. He's staying in Duke staying mode. In Duke this mode. is okay. probably the angriest we're going to see him in <laughs> That's this. the angriest the Duke gets. Yeah. Yeah. But like that that line sort of like, I had to reread it a couple times. And when I listened to the audiobook, mm-hmm. he says it very coldly. I'm just like, oh, dang. Yeah. Well, I think um, we haven't had him talk about Thufir too much. Uh, no, not really. That one conversation with him. But we met Thufir for it. And we know like. I think we sort of built up the legend of Thufir coming into this. So to see how quickly he sort of undermines Thufir there to Gurney. Well, Th- I mean, what Thufir was around when he was born. Yeah, Thufir trained him and everything. Yeah. He taught uh, every the ways of war that Leto knows were all taught to him by right, Thufir Right, right. Like, nothing but respect. But, like, I think uh, even the Duke might be saying here, like, 
maybe he has his doubts too. And that's so dangerous too, because you don't want to make a mentat doubt themselves. So you don't want to perceive that like going off of like what that, yeah, that lack said. of confidence in them. Because mm-hmm. so, then that'll sort of ruin them, right? Yeah, yeah, entirely. How so, do you how do you how do you deal with that when you're a house and you know that your mentat is sort of losing its edge without actually breaking it yourself by being like, hey, you gotta tighten up here, buddy. Ooh. Like do you just sell your mentat and get a new one? No, I mean, you even a broken mentat or a mentat that is impaired can be brought back for like reprogramming, so to speak, and they retrain them. It takes mm-hmm. an enormous amount of time, but it is possible. So if I were going to end this just speculation, I don't have a proper answer for you uh, on what to do with mentat 101. We didn't get the handbook when we bought through fear <laughs> <laughs> and Piter was a discount mentat. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got no instruction manual with him. Uh, I'm going to say they're they're probably warning signs like the soup doctors, okay. where we're told in the encyclopedia they have sort of like red flags that let you know, like, hey, warning, and they tell you like <laughs> when you get a soup doctor, like if they're depressed, like call us right away. Right. So I bet there's sort of like a mentat hotline you can call in. <laughs> if it's making this sound, bringing it in for an oil change will take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, is your mentat repeating uh, computations? Well, <laughs> I wish we had like an infomercial for mentats. That'd be great. <laughs> you want your, yeah, your discount, yeah. your used car salesman <laughs> yeah, telling yeah, yeah. it's just a mentat. Uh, but that, that would be my guess for that. And that there must be a way that you could sort of head that off. Cause, and then the most important thing would be letting or having the mentat correct the error that he sees because it has to be an error that like he sort of has he loses confidence was sort of the thing the real clutch moment that breaks the mentat uh and so some way of buffering that or building that back up that confidence in themselves uh and maybe highlighting where they went wrong they just need to analyze that moment or whatever that piece of data was but i i don't know otherwise we don't see uh too many mentats mess up i mean right now the problem is that we have two mentats competing against each right. other you know playing this uh right so they keep cheops yeah, yeah. yeah. see what i did there? Run it back <laughs> i still haven't seen a good board yet uh, one day i think i i will make one myself i just need to learn more about the game like i haven't actually seen it in the book yet yeah, well you, you won't but uh the rules for uh, in general pyramid chess the, you, you change how things move and stuff and sometimes you change how many pieces are on the board, I think. So okay. it gets like, it gets, you'll have to get like deep into the I chess would, game. Honestly, I would look it up all myself, but I'm afraid of finding too many spoilers or anything like that. You just need to find like a hardcore chess forum. Yeah. And like let these guys handle it. Maybe, uh, actually. That might be the way. Use the power of the internet to our full, <laughs> all right. full advantage. Okay. Um, so these are these 800 men down below, these spice workers. Yeah. We're going to go get them back. And. Uh, <laughs> Countering uh, the fear off, make sure everyone comes. He wants these all in one piece. No one's going to get stabbed. Everyone comes willingly. Uh, he does give through fear discretion, though, for any appointments of authority and raises up to 20% of what they were getting paid. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Gurney's just like, I don't know if they'll really do that <laughs> very quickly and very like candidly. I'm not going to lie. If someone uh, like did that to me at work, it's just like, hey, we'll pay you like a little bit more. It's like, no, nah, if the fact that I'm leaving and I have the choice to leave and I want to leave, if you're only going to give me like a little bump, like I'm not going to stay. Like I want double or something like that. Well, I mean, and this is a job. Um, I don't even know what to equate this to. Like working on an oil rig is dangerous, right? Is yeah. Very. Threat? Like, yeah, this is like life and death. Like every time you go out for spice, that might be your last spice run. True. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause like, so we have, well, I mean like, it's just like regular miners, like going every time you go, take a no, look no, down into the it's earth. It's a little bit different, Mike. Oh, is it? Because like, oh, cause this is these guys have come from other planets to come here so who knows how long it's been since they've been home 
or had the opportunity to go home. True, because they're, they're not all Arakeen, like, natives or anything. No, I would imagine none of them are if they're leaving. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think uh, most But it probably pays really well is the point. Right, right. That's like, what, yeah, that's why you come. Like, right. I think they're always looking for people in the Imperium. This is probably that thing, like, when they had um, joint stock venture companies setting up uh, expeditions to the New World. Right. It's okay. like, anyone and everyone, you want to get on the, sure, just sign this paper mm-hmm. and we'll send you down and... We just need the spice. You mm-hmm. can keep anything else you find. And then getting a ride back on a Highliner, though, must be pretty spotty. So this is a big opportunity for everyone to leave in mass. Uh, but you're right. Gurney uh, pushes back, and these these were uh, raises. 20% is not going to be enough, he tells him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know the, <clears throat> he says, I know the Harkin and pay scales, which is, again, that kind of grittiness to Gurney of, like, he would know them very well. He was on the underside of right. them. Uh and that's the advantage of having Gurney, because like he has that perspective mm-hmm. on the Harkonnens, especially. Yeah, yeah, that sort of inside view. And he gives, not just that, like the idea of I know what these people are going to do and react to if you offer them this. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. the Duke probably doesn't. He thinks this makes sense given the funds they have. Like this is a you know a good chunk of change we're sending their way to Gurney. He knows better. Yeah, he knows better. He would definitely know uh, even maybe like the the Beast Raban's tactics too, to uh, very personally. What are his, oh, oh yeah because he's the, the one. he was the one who was overseeing um, the oh, mine and man. stuff and while he was a slave I totally want to show down between those two that'd oh, be so good Gurney does too yeah <laughs> that Gurney does that's his driving force yeah and uh, so Gurney he's leaving uh, to go get these guys downstairs going to give him the raises and he lets out our first of our many quotes we get from yeah. Gurney this chapter and uh, he says they shall come all for violence their faces shall sup up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity of the sand. So, Mike, I'm not a Bible person. <laughs> are you a, these, this is from the Bible. We're it's from all, the Bible? No. All of our quotes from Gurney today. Not the orange cap, like the regular, like, uh, King James. Yeah, exactly, King yeah. James. So, because uh, there are many different Bibles. Right, right, right. Again, uh, not a Bible person. I don't know all the specifics, but when looking, um, there was a BibleHub.com, if it's uh-huh. the website, and it showed, like, uh, the multiple versions of the verse that you search for. Right. So, this first one is uh, from Habakkuk. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's one of the prophets. Got a book in the Bible. Uh, Habakkuk 1.9. Uh, that's where this quote comes from. From the King James Bible version. And uh, Leto kind of uh, sums up his orders after that. Running back through. Like, okay, take these crew. Take them down to the field personnel. Uh, drill them on water discipline. And get your men over to Hawa. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm off on that. And Leto tells him he's going to hold a staff meeting proper in the council room on the top of this watchtower. So that's going to actually be where we uh, end up going in the next chapter. And we'll be waiting for Gurney to come back around to it. Uh, Gurney asks that it's going to be trouble. And like he almost stops. He turns and then catches the eye. Was it Leto that cur- catches the eye? Of- I think it's Gurney turns. Yeah, yeah turns, like, catches oh, his eye and says like, it's going to be trouble. And uh, the Duke kind of responds. Both open battle and secret. There'll be blood aplenty spilled here before we're through. I mean, it's called the Arakine Crisis. The Duke's probably on point. Yep. And Halleck, not missing a beat, comes back with our second Another quote. quote. Another quote. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. 
you know what? I feel like Gurney Halleck belongs in Pulp Fiction. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know how he always has, like, the line that he repeats, like... Yeah, I don't remember what uh, verse it is, but he... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like Samuel L. Jackson has that one he runs through. Ezekiel something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I bet Gurney would just, like... He would say the first one, and Gurney would stand upright with him in that restaurant yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, he knows it back too. at him. Like, Whoa. <laughs> just like, the two of them eyeing each other. <laughs> Uh, and uh, this is a, a great one before I, I'll explain what that quote is after, but, uh, the Duke sighs at Gurney right here, where I think he's just like, good God, Gurney <laughs> it says, hurry back, Gurney, <laughs> go do this job. Gurney says, very good, my Lord. And the whip scar rippled to his grin. Which I love the scar always gets more, yeah. um, kind of personified. It's got a little bit of character to it. Does, it. Yeah, it's, it's like this side feature on his face. Like He wears his emotions on his Ingvine scar, mm-hmm. is how I feel Gurney. And he tells him this last quote. Behold, as a wild ass in the desert, go I forth to my work. <laughs> the less eloquent of all of them. So but good. like, it sort of gives you that idea, like, he could be like very like romantic in how he says things, but then you just have that as yeah, well. No, you. we've seen like a full breadth of quotes. Yeah. And like, because Jessica has alluded to some, we know what kind of ones he tells Paul. Yeah. Uh, if so fishes were wishes. He plays to his audience, yeah, man. Yeah. This guy is an artist. Um, <laughs> so let's do some more Bible quotes here. And uh, the first one, the uh, water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. It's going to be from Exodus 4.9. Oh, that's what, yeah, yeah, that's from the Bible too. Are all of these from? Yeah. So Even then, the last one? So then the last one, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah I guess, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so the last one, behold, has a wild ass in the desert. Go I forth to my work. That one is from the book of Job, 24.5. Is five. it really? Yeah, I have a little extended uh, <laughs> version of it where right, it sure. goes, uh, behold, as wild asses in the desert go forth to their work, rising betimes for a prey. The wilderness yeeteth food for them and for their children. Oh my goodness, that's so, wild! Yeah. So the the uh, Orange Catholic Bible definitely has integrated like the King James Bible into it, as well as probably several other. Yeah. Aspects. So it's not a, even the entire thing, but probably like snippets and aspects of it. No. Yeah. Remember, they took all those works. Right. So um, there was a long list that I didn't go through of um remember there was like a hundred and twenty something um members of the cet that came together to bring this book they were all like representatives of different churches that had to have a minimum number of people i think it was like one million people or something and so each of them they had names for them like one was like a nava christianity and something Mm -hmm. this and they a bunch of them were made up but they would be um like two religions jammed together so okay uh so one of them i've kind of told you is uh the Fremen in this book are the Zen Sunni. Zen Sunni. Right. So we're kind of Zen Buddhism with Sunni Islam. Right. Uh, and so that's what Frank Herbert had kind of already done with the CET, where a bunch of religions had sort of merged together mm-hmm. and made this big uh, cornucopia of them. And then the CET just bound them all into the Orange Catholic Bible. Gotcha. Since we all know orange is the best word for religion. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> it still gets me. <laughs> and um, yeah. It's just another emphasis, Halleck, a good display of him outside that proud religion. The fact he's got all those memorized and can pull them up for the perfect situation. Mm -hmm. Like, guy, this guy. Yeah, and he doesn't care who his audience is. He does it no matter who is around. He just spits quotes. I love Gurney. He's so good. Uh, He's such a fun man. Uh, and think of how many songs that means he knows. I wonder how many Gurney Halleck songs there are. Yeah, you're you thinking like uh, his sort of songwriting skills just because he has this repertoire of uh, examples to drop on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sort of like structures and this and that. 
Ah, oh, yeah, he's so cool. Coming from that minor house. He's he's come a long way. Like he's a battle Shakespeare. So Leto now, he begins to make his way out of this place. Mm. Gurney's got his uh, his task, his orders. He's he goes go. on about his work, picks up a space bag. Gets his space bag. <laughs> Still so silly. That's I love true, that. yeah, because it does mention it twice. Yeah. Absurd. And uh, as Leto's going through, I love this where, because uh, again, this is him, in, like you said, in Duke mode. He is just shaking hands, kind of like giving people a little curt nods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's going through pretty quickly, but I love that uh, he stops to uh, runs into the propaganda man first, a man, uh, propaganda corps man, and he gives him a message. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just tell the men where to find their wives, and tell all the single men that there are mostly women here. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's like, give them reason to be like, yeah, like boost that morale kind of thing. It also made me think there's probably not a lot of women in the army. No, probably not in this Probably one. not. Nope. Uh, oh. Because it follows like a, the Farfalucha's caste system. I imagine you got like your lords and your ladies. Oh, yeah. yeah. You yeah. think like in just, I think, just the uh, feudal structure of it. Exactly. Kind of That's where I was sort of getting that insight from. Mm-hmm. So I figured there's probably not a lot of women in the uh, military itself. It is. Uh, down the road. So this is far out Dune thing, but I do just want to throw it in here. Because like uh, we've given Frank a little, a little crap for being uh, behind the time. So to yeah, speak, yeah, being yeah, stuck yeah. in the 60s. But in one of his later books, yeah. uh, God Emperor, there actually is an army of all women. Oh, yeah. And uh, his character makes this position that like, no, the, if a proper army needs to be women. And that there are problems if you have a male army. Mm. So it's interesting to see that reversal finally like uh, co- um, flower into that mm-hmm. book. Um, no, I but mean, I think you're right in this one where, yeah, yeah it's going to be very uh, structured like how we would imagine it being in the histories. And I, I do think when we were giving sort of Frank crap for that, I do think we were uh, ignoring the Parfaluche's cast as a whole and sort of oh, like, hey, good point. Yeah, because as like, like part of the universe. If, yeah, if he's yeah. writing from this perspective and this is just how the government is and how things are, then like I understand like why people would interact and react as they do. But uh I think uh, you should still impose what you think the future should be like a little bit on your way. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But you're right. Uh, <laughs> Message as the door hits you on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, t- we get the propaganda chorus in that message. I also wonder, so I'm assuming that there is a little bit of a lie here in telling the men that. Yeah. Just because it's the propaganda no, no, He's like, yeah. Like, but, and he knows this guy, well, too. He's like, oh, I recognize this guy. He's done stuff for me before. Yeah, yeah. He's on the court. But I also wonder if there's a little bit of truth in that. Remember that statement that um, all the Fremen women want to marry? or People all like from the, the pan and the sink and the graven. Want to marry, like, the yeah. desert Fremen. So what if that's why there are just more, like, Fremen women in this, you know, basin or what did you just call them? Sorry. The pan, the sink, yeah, yeah. Pan, pan, sink, Grayman women. Like yeah. there's more of them because the men are out in the desert. So what if these women all have husbands? Oh, do you think that's how it is? Uh, not entirely, because uh, I do know that like uh, the Fremen are. They're actually a little. Is a egalitarian? Is that the word for um, well, like equality know. on genders? Uh, out of necessity, the women are kind of equal with men mm-hmm. because it's just like it's the only way to survive. <laughs> you, we, <laughs> You're old enough we, to hold a dagger. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do the same job. So that is actually what shaped their culture a little mm-hmm. bit to be like that. Not even out of some like moral high ground right, right, right. Um, to make it that. No, way. I don't I don't think there's any truth to this. I think the Duke is just saying like we need every edge we can get. Like, sure. say this. Like, this, like I don't I, care I if it's true it's or gonna not. Make them, it's going to make them happy. Yeah. Uh, but it's also the uh, the Duke's not one to outright lie to. So there's probably like something valid to it. Maybe. Because he wouldn't, uh, he doesn't mislead, you know, his people. He's honest. He leads by example to them. Uh, Would he need so propaganda if that were the case? Yeah. That it's all biased and it's meant to like win them over to it. Yeah. 
Uh, and I just want to put that line of like, yeah, that we're distinguishing between like, I can only imagine what Harpkin and propaganda was. Right. <laughs> like, that is probably like just lies and just like, oh, probably oh, terrible vid streams of awful things. I guess we don't know enough about, I mean, I don't know enough about the, the world right now. Harkonnens especially. Yeah. So the Duke, he then slaps him on the arm. And, this well, is, and that, that, that has an indication to it. Just yeah. like get to it. Well, not of that. It's part of their battle language. Oh, oh, so was it the, like, uh, that is sort of like Chikopsa in a sense? Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not the exact Chikopsa, Ex- but like the same use of it. No, no, yeah, you're dead on. So they use, um, they'll call, I think, uh, I think even Jessica called it a battle language or something. No, no. The she hunter language. Hunter language, thank you. Um, so the battle language, I do think, applies more to like sign language in some manners and yeah. stuff like that. But it encompasses sort of Chikopsa and a speaking language as well. And right. it's just all means in which the Atreides and no one else, no other house knows this language. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like Jessica couldn't crack that Harkonnen code. Sort of, uh, it's like a, like a sport game where like all the coaches have like, you know, signals they give to players. Exactly. Yeah. Like no other team knows that. And as soon as a player's traded, they change it. Like, yeah, we'll see, um, later on in the series, there's somewhere like, uh, just based on how someone is standing, uh, near the throne is a cue or how they're told to. Mm-hmm. So like one guy, he tells his like chief of security, like stand right next to me. And the guy and you get in his head and he's going like, Oh, this means I might have to kill that person. I'm going to have to be ready just in case he gives me the nod. Mm-hmm. And he just like all by just standing in this one spot, he knows what that means. So we get the slap on the arm. This means top priority. Mm-hmm. So that propaganda man, he's off, off to the races. He's going to get that out there. And the Duke proceeds through uh, this little cove and he runs into one other person. And this one stuck out to me and I don't know if it did to you, uh, where he runs into a subaltern. And this is the only person that he stops and he trades pleasantries with. Mm -hmm. And this stuck out to me because of that is the rank that he had when he joined the flagship, the Von Atreides. So this must have been where they took that from. Right, uh, right. To put it in the encyclopedia. So I thought that was great. It's and kind that, of a cool little th- snippet. Yeah, of like such a small thing that you would have gone back and picked up on when you're writing that mm-hmm. one. You'd be like, oh, well, I'll use this and make this something bigger. It's Doesn't a, he do it, though, just to sort of have the appearance of like, you know, seeing the men and like, you know, giving them all the pleasantries, like you said. Well, that's the only one he stopped with. To pleas- all the others, he just kind of like waves. Oh, and does, yeah. And we, we talked to the propaganda man. But then it just says he sees a subaltern and he trades pleasantries with him and then goes on. So, that, so I am just kudos. Extra- I'm like extrapolating. Yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. what I'd be like, did he just do that? Because that was his rank. And maybe there's sort of like, ah, oh, I've been in your shoes. That makes way more sense to me than a bull being in power on Caladan for a week. Why? it's so close-minded mike Um, so then uh we get to the end of this chapter and we sort of alluded to this paragraph right he gets back into the lift yeah the doors close the whole thing and uh i love this line this is it's not even a line by him it's just uh his thoughts the command must always look confident Mm-hmm. All that faith riding on your shoulders while you sit at the critical seat and never show it. You have to be that pillar mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, and he really does sort of like take the point of I'm the fulcrum on which this entire structure lies. And so I have to be strong. And as soon as the Zoros clothes, uh, breathed a sigh of relief as if the lift swallowed him and he could turn and uh, face the impersonal doors. They have tried to take the life of my son. That's the last time. So I counted four. Is this Mantra five? Yeah. We got uh I don't know. I'm gonna look again. I think I got four. Yeah, no. We got uh so after the message from the Sublime Emperor, we have our first one. And Lido spots the Paul coming in the car. 
because of the delay of Howat's uh, mm-hmm. lieutenant slows down. Then we have the second one. So that's uh, right before the frigates. Uh, then it goes right down to the um, before the ship comes in. He does the mantra. Then that shuttle lands. We do the mantra. We go down, do this whole scene, and then we close out with that final mantra. Oh, dang, I missed one. (laughs) (laughs) I pulled open my book, and it's like, it was the first line I saw. I'm like, that's the one I missed. I know that's the one I missed. Damn it. All right. Yeah. I felt so confident there. I know, you didn't want to believe me, but if if I can't win the glossary game outright, Mike, I'm going to win the mantra game. That's fine. That's fine. So what's our deep dive today? I mean, like we talked about a lot of. Uh... We, we have talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I got one little deep dive. But before we do that, I want to go tangentially off to the left. And I think we should revisit the Baron's plan real quick. OK, because we've come a little ways through it now. Do you remember um, everything that Piter laid out in that chapter? So the goal is to have an assassination attempt on Paul's life. Paul's life, which we have had. Check. So that just happened. That was that hunter seeker. Have the suspicion fall on Lady Jessica, which has not yet happened. So. To our knowledge. Right. It's kind of starting to come into. Uh, it's flowering before our very eyes with the letter from Lady Margot and the warning from Mapes, mm-hmm. where the reason uh, Jessica didn't want to wire that over or radio that over. Mm-hmm was that she was worried that that message was the point to some extent. Mm-hmm. And that, so we need to get this to your father, and he needs to know the full context of it. Right, right, right. Um, so I think that's the beginning of that, because each of those messages were pretty much the same. There is a traitor. Nothing else that can True. help us pin down who that traitor is. Do you think that information was circulated amongst the Fremen as well, as part of a uh, campaign? Potent- I, don't, I don't think it would be potentially. I, I don't mean, think Piter like gives enough faith to the Fremen. He, you are probably right, but maybe it is. Well, actually, I kind of disagree. Okay, we're painting the idea of how the Fre- how the Harkonnens look at the Fremen differently with each chapter. You but know? we know for a fact though that it's a little bit. Uh, well, it's a little bit incorrect from our first assessment. The fact that the Fremen have been causing them a lot of trouble. Right, but that's something they knew, but they hid from other people. Right. So that's like where I'm saying, like, they are fremen that the Harkonnens definitely know something more than they let anybody else know. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I think that came up in the chapter two was the number of fremen, right? Right. Uh, and that they kind of are counted that way, but or no, actually, um, is it you? They, they're just Sufir, too small to no, put but on senses. The ones that say too small, was that actually one of that the Atreides telling Paul that? That was so that, telling so Paul. So that wasn't even from the Harkonnens themselves. So actually, I think maybe we discount that entirely. Oh, man. We're just making is, too many assumptions. That's more misinformation the Harkonnens put out there. The Harkonnens got some plans. They know some stuff. Um, we're going to learn a little bit more. Like, uh, for example, Piter wants to infiltrate the Fremen. That's something that's really that's on his agenda. Really? Yeah. So like, oh, so do you think Piter sees what Thufir sees then? That the there's like some sort of uh, potential within ooh, the Fremen. Ooh, interesting. Maybe, but I don't. But he wouldn't have shared with the Baron. I think. It's oh, thoroughly. probably not. Oh, I wonder why though. Yeah. Now that's um, dangerous. But like, yeah, we're gonna learn in the next couple chapters a little bit more. about I think this. he does want the Baron to be like overrun by Sardaukar, but it, like him to make it out somehow. And that's the other reason why he yeah. doesn't pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't figured out that last yeah. step where he makes it out alive. That's uh, so Piter. If he could, <laughs> <laughs> little Piter in the corner smiling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
So I think that's part of that plan. Mm -hmm. These, this Miss Morning, I think, is going to be showing up part of that where it's pointing fingers, but not at, we don't know at who. Okay. So it's at least going to register on them once they start knowing, like, okay, we have somebody, and everyone's going to start looking at each other. And like I said, but, we just haven't seen that perspective yet. Because, like, we haven't seen Thufir since all of this has transpired. Right, I wonder yeah. what's going through his head right now. Right. I mean, as far as we know, the Duke still doesn't know about this message. Uh, oh, yeah, no, true. Duke only knows about the attempt on Paul's I, th- life. I think we'll probably know when the Duke knows, because I feel like that'll be a conversation that's actually in the text. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's coming right up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's, Paul is down. Well, the war cancel. Everyone here can be trusted kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm just saying that Paul is in that ground car. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to spend some time with him next one. Oh, we'll, gotcha. we'll hash it out. Yeah. So the Duke, is, he's going to be evolving very quickly right, and have right. to kind of act on his feet. So Paul is in or mentioned in every single scene. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's pretty. He's the main character. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. It, it, I'm it, just, I'm just equating his importance to Windows right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he also had some sort you, of like window. Are you waiting <laughs> to see which one takes the lead? Yeah, it's <laughs> another scoreboard for us. Ooh, Windows. <laughs> Yui versus Jessica. Glossary game. Windows versus Paul. Oh, Windows versus protagonist. <laughs> Windows wins. Oh man. Uh, so the other two bits we have. From this plan are our Sadokar disguised in Harkin and livery, which seems like everybody but Fade guessed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one is surprised oh, by this. Oh, Fade. <laughs> Thufir got it. Paul got it. Leto got it. I think even Jessica knows what's going so, down. Okay. Just, I mean, just quick sidebar, mm-hmm. not to get too off topic. So I have not seen the movie, um, but apparently uh, someone at work told me Fade Roth is played by Sting. By Sting. From the police. Yes. That is dope. What? <laughs> and, uh, he uh, literally at one point is just wearing his underwear. <laughs> and it is like, it is all silver. And he just stands there, arms akimbo. And he just looks at the camera and he nods, I think, once. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then like, that's the scene, buddy. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah, I think he was trying to give uh, Bowie a run for his money. In oh, like, yeah. Unless yeah. those are, don't line up chronologically. But. <laughs> that's great, actually. I love that. I think he that wa- makes you want to watch the movie more now. It's, it's pretty fantastic, Mike. We're, we're going to get there. Okay, okay. We'll give that movie uh, its due time. <laughs> That's super good, though. So, yeah, no, I just uh, I just wanted to confirm that because I thought that was really exciting. <laughs> Sting. Yeah. Um, so we got a, we're going to let the Duke win a few fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, that's probably already happening a little bit with what Thufir is dealing with, any of the people that Thufir is finding. And uh, the final thing is that Dr. Yui is the traitor, the yeah. trusted soup doctor, which so far, that secret is held. Yeah. No one is No on one knows that. about that. We know about that pretty intently. hmm I mean, Yui has even wanted to spill it a few times, but he's held back. Yeah. <laughs> but he wants to come clean. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. We're kind of moving along. So I don't know what you think the next little piece is. So we know there's Sardaukar and Harkonnen liveries. We don't know where they are. Right. Probably in Carthag, if I had to guess. Or maybe they've already infiltrated Arakeen somehow. I feel like Thufir would know that, though. Thank you. They, the Sardaukar stand out like a Thorsum. They do not have Bene Gesserit training. Uh, they cannot hide their ways. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can tell when someone was raised. Someone bumps into them, they just tear their arm <laughs> exactly. off. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, yeah, it's that kind of cold rigidness and mechanic. Yeah, they're like, probably in Carthag then, if I had to guess. Or there might be some sort of, like, guild, like, drop, like into the city because the guild doesn't care they the they get paid they do what they do they, yeah it's almost raids work right uh, like if you pay the money yeah they'll bring you down no that, problem okay. so but, those are my two theories on how the the Sardaukar are gonna make their way 
I like to Arakane. And I feel like it's going to be in Arakane because it's called the Arakane Crisis. Truth. And we do have, we got to get to them. But I think Carthag's a good one. And that kind of mm-hmm. emphasizes too, like maybe that's why we didn't go there or right. especially why we're <laughs> like, not going there. Right, right. Uh, not even leaving It's the almost, uh, especially if we think of this as a chess game between Mentats, like if they don't go here, then we have a plan for here. So even mm-hmm. if they did go to Carthag, like, well, it makes our life easier. Yeah, it's contingency yeah. after contingency exactly. after contingency. Plans within plans within plans. Leo's I still love that Leo's. line so much. So good. <laughs> oh, so that's going to be this whole plan unraveling. And I'm actually really looking forward to the next time we can check in on the Baron. Because mm-hmm. uh, every now and then we're going to go back to Gady Prime or wherever he is. And we get to hear his little status update on how things are going from his perspective. And I'm sure he will be pleased as can be. Um, so... Beyond that, Mike, I have a few scattered things for you. Uh, like we had talked a little bit about the uh, noble titles, uh, like a fife, quasi fife, right? This and that right, quasi fife. I have something for you. Now. Okay. So that one is that's what the Baron had before, right? And so, yeah, what, what does that mean? Like they only get like a small cut or percentage? They have to actually share rule of the planet with a Kaid uh, of the Sadokar. So it's what? sort of like it is uh, like a commander captain kind of deal. And one of the emperor's agents is there with you. Oh, like, my God. Keeping a very close eye on everything Jeez, you're doing. And that would happening. make me so nervous. So there is no breathing room on Arrakis for the Baron before. So that's why Count Fenring was there as well. Um, he was part of that quasi five, maybe. Yeah, he was the yeah, yeah. best friend, right? Yeah, you're right. He yeah. could have been the one uh, position there in that position. It was put in Arakin because it's a nice place. You don't have to be in sort of a crappy uh, area. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if that would have been at his uh, discretion where he like where he chose a residence because uh, it seems like that mansion predated like the Harkonnens being on Arrakis. Right. right. I mean, I imagine made. so. Like but at like, one point, a planetary. If you're sending your best friend to a planet, sort of keep an eye on someone. It's just like, hey, here, you got some cool digs. Yeah. Yeah. If the Harkonnens are over there, we're going to take this is probably like in the Imperial right. name still. We probably never even let the Harkonnens it's in have the it. Imperial Basin. There. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like. Well, let's. Uh, I think the Imperial will put their name on anything you let them <laughs> at some true. point. So. They got a big stamp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it fits just about anything. So that was a little thing I had quasi-fife. Mm. Uh, and then a sub-fife, which is what the Baron will get if this plan goes off, mm-hmm. is a fife under your control, but you can put anyone you want in charge of it. So oh. he's going to choose uh, Raban or potentially Fade. I think we've settled on Raban. And um, otherwise, if it was like uh, if it was the Duke of Trades, he might choose like a house minor. And that's sort of a way you can give recognition to one of the minor houses right, and right. sort of bring someone closer into the fold. With Gets you. more allies as well. Exactly. Building a network versus obviously the Harkonnens are only concerned about themselves. Right. Uh, and are very selfish. Now, the other thing I got. Can a uh, five complete be taken from a house once it's given? Um. Hmm. I think you could destroy that house. I don't think you. I mean, if you destroy the house, yeah. Well, I'm saying like I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't think you get to lay a claim on a fife. But if someone isn't fulfilling their duties to that fife, they can lose it. But I believe that's up to the landsrad by an almost unanimous vote. Oh, so then it's a bit. Once you have it, it's hard to lose it unless you just get obliterated. Yeah, I mean, you would have to be like wholly ignorant and oppressing your people, not contributing economically. And that, you know, running your thing and just milking money so out then, of Chome. Yeah, that really is the bait in all of this. Is like, that's the juicy worm that's, like, gotten uh, Leto to say, like, I can take this guy. I can do this. What's that? 
the fact that like if he's able to avoid this trap and like the the knife hidden by yeah, yeah. um the emperor and the but you, th- you think the fife is or yeah right wouldn't it be yeah i i think but with his it is like uh tied up with the directorships it's going to give him in the chome company because remember the two like you can't really separate the two so like, oh how many directorships go with control of arrakis uh just a one um there are a number of directorships that you have to have a certain amount of money to get one so if you have, is it dependent on the amount of money you make? Yes. So if you have a control of Arrakis, then you get a pretty you're, decent You're guaranteed amount. one. Remember, well, guaranteed one, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, you, you might you, get more than one, because Spice is, like, no, the no, like, primary. No, your directorship just lets you vote in that council. Oh. Like, it's sort of like that. Oh, that's the price of admission. Then. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's uh, what I want to say. Um, So, like, by meeting that threshold, Arrakis just guarantees you the threshold to be accepted into that okay. club. Okay. And then once you're in that club, you can start voting and doing stuff is like that. Is he already in it? Um, uh, he, uh, he is now, now that we're on Arrakis, well, now that I, yeah. and was he before? I That's don't, what I was kind of I, Well, I think so, because, uh... How important is Pundi You know Rice? what? Yes, I think so. What he says when we come to Arrakis is mm-hmm. we will have an irrevocable di- directorship in Trome. That, so no, I, no, that's what the, uh... That's what the Baron says. The Baron says? Yeah. Yeah, 100% confident. Okay, okay, I'll accept you on that. Yeah. I will see you next episode. Oh! Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just, uh, but either way, it uh, kind of doesn't matter who said it, though. Uh, but what I mean is, what makes it irrevocable is, again, like, the guaranteed income from mm-hmm. Arrakis for it. Uh, so that they, they would both even have their eyes on that prize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the Baron especially. He would love to, I think, have irrevocable next yeah. to that title well, he bought. that's what he's going to get the, from this plan. Yeah, but, well, just because he bought that previous title. Yeah. So I imagine how easily that one must be to take away from him. That's a good point. Oh. That would be, ooh, that'd be a sore spot in his heart. Ooh. His black little tortured <laughs> soul heart. <laughs> it's working hard, man. <laughs> yeah, I it's a lot of Baron. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Baron to move around. He's definitely not breaking a sweat. <laughs> yeah. But sure. for, uh, for a little deep dive, Mike, we can, uh, we'll put the... Intrigue of the Imperium beside for a second. We haven't started the deep dive? No, we that was scattershot. Oh. <laughs> that was my little, gra- I had a little grab bag of some stuff that I didn't know where else to fit in, Mike. We're going to talk glow globes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we've seen them uh, a few places now. A couple of them. Yeah, and they're just I think they, uh, didn't they act, bulbs. some of them acted a little different than the others. Yeah. And I can tell you why. Okay. Uh, so glow globes are organically phosphorescent light sources buoyed in a suspenser field. So this was invented in the year uh, 4,266. Okay. AG. So that's about, uh, what are we looking at? 6,000 years ago, give or take. Right. A couple hundred. Um, and it was... So what were we using before? Just like batteries and flashlights kind of thing? Ooh, we mu- yeah, we must have been old school, like your general yeah. light source. We probably have like pretty advanced sources of power, um, but maybe it just didn't utilize a suspenser field. Optimally. Well, this doesn't... Re- I mean, the only energy required is from the suspenser field itself, right? Holding up the glow globe. Yep. So it's otherwise it's like basically a phosphorescent like lichen or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's three bacteria. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I got the bacteria. For oh, you. gotcha. Uh, they went into some cool detail for it. Um, but so yeah, whatever they were used before that, who knows? Maybe they had it. Uh, they didn't. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they would have figured out. Can we already make bacteria glow? I feel like we can. Ooh, oh, well, this is going to touch on the reason why this one house is able to make these. And it says that they were the only ones who could um, commercially cultivate the enough quantity of the bacteria. Based off of probably what they uh, well, they're feed say- on to reproduce. They're saying that like other houses can make the bacteria duplicate, but no one can make it in the like, vats and vats of it. 
to mm. be able to mass produce this product. Interesting. So I wonder if that is our limitation as well with like phosphorescent bacteria. Maybe. Where we just can't make enough of it in a reasonable manner to use it for anything. Yeah. No, where that, like electricity wouldn't be uh, more uh, useful. Because I, like, I, again, I'm not an expert on the subject and this bottle tells me that I'm even less qualified <laughs> to sort of expand upon this. But I, I definitely think that's something we're capable of. I think it's something we've definitely done several times. But um, I'm wondering when we first started doing it, it's sort of like, a, oh, look what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, and when, uh, if Herbert wrote that before or after. I wonder, it, too, if it was any um, part of, like, our space program. If it was oh, a, a, a means of, like, because uh, the other thing about these bacteria is um, they are all uh, anaerobic. So they exist without oxygen. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. So you can see the benefit of something that doesn't require oxygen or electricity that can generate light. I can only think of one environment where I might want to use that. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, fair. And it's going to be in space. Uh, or in the oceans. Yeah, depths of the oceans for yeah. sure. But I mean, this is, you know, million planets. I think an ocean is probably like the least of our concerns. It is. Um, Unless there's spice at the bottom of it. Then we go, like, <laughs> yeah, let's get down there. We'll do whatever we got to do. And it was invented by this guy. Uh, he is F.M. Aubeck. A-U-B-E-C. A-U-B-E-C. Yeah, unless you think there's another way to pronounce that. No, one. no, that sounds good. Abek sounds all right. Uh, I, just had a, I just had a side thought, but I want to... Let me listen to you first. <laughs> okay. You wanted to say it before you lose it? Maybe. Okay. All right. All right. Go. All right. All right. So, um, we know that Arrakis is the only planet with spice. Yes. Like, uh, for sure. But, I mean... For our own planet, Earth, we've only explored, like, a small percentage of the ocean. Do you think there could be spice in, like, oceans of planets out there? Oh, I mean, I don't... Like, at the bottom of the seas that are undiscovered. Sure. Um, possibly. Mm -hmm. But the spice uh, gets there by a particular means on Arrakis. It's part of a natural process. Okay. In its environment. So, But the, the, it could... Like specific to Arrakis or? Yeah. Because it could just, ha or. It's, uh, it's very specific to Arrakis, but it's, uh, I mean, it's because it's tied in through this book. They always include these little bits of like, because this thing can only exist here. Like they've tried to take it to other worlds, but it just doesn't work there. Okay. So like, they, oh, so they can't even, rep oh yeah. Because they yeah, can't even reproduce it on another they've world. They've tried to make synthetic spice. Oh, we I can't do that. Okay. We've tried to take the means of getting spice to other worlds. You can't do that. Okay. Uh, it just, nothing works. You have to do it here. I was just, yeah, no. I guess I was so, just considering the possibility of like, maybe like, I mean, I think just places we haven't found I yet. I think for right now, the analog and the proper analog that we can even draw is just oil. What are the odds of oil on other worlds right now? Oh, that's a really, okay. That's a really good point. But I mean, yeah, just as like, uh, you see what it's limited to. You need like life for that to be there. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's something that we haven't found in other worlds. It's going to be kind of like the spices. Okay, the that's a good, life. that's a good, uh, analogy uh, for that. It also is analogous to it because it's a, um, it's a singular resource. We are actually have an entire economy built upon, mm -hmm. which is very much like spice and chome is oil to OPEC. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, and just because they each create a power dynamic. Uh, All right, I'm satisfied with that answer. That got okay. That, that answered that pretty well. And it's at the bottom of oceans, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, why would you end with that? You were even right. <laughs> just lead. <laughs> so, so uh, back, what was it? Back to Glow Globe. <laughs> yeah, tell me more. We were Sorry. talking about FM all that. No, no, anytime. It's better. Like I got, <laughs> I got my place marked in here. I'd rather hear your thought right, before right, like right. it slips out or anything. Uh, so Abak is an early explorer of everyone's favorite drug world, mm -hmm. Akaz. 
Oh, yeah. The planet with no more trees because we just <laughs> used them all. Clear cutting all of them. We're making oh. tables. We're making samucha. We're making barite. Uh, so apparently, well, it seems like he found um, these uh, bacteria there because um, they gave me like proper names for them. I'm not going to bore you with all three of them, but they do all end in Akazi, which okay. is, I mean, I'm thinking it's going to be origin on Akaz. Yeah. And we got three different bacteria. They kind of uh, all make a little um, self-sustaining uh, ecosystem inside this glow globe. With three? It, yep, with three. They're sort of like a perpetual motion machine. Like and a rock, paper, scissors of yeah. light. One is going to be uh, providing the methane. So it's going to be the fuel for the other two. Oh, you got the science to, of it. Somebody, like, uh, they made it up. I just read it aloud. Uh, <laughs> they made it, okay. I hope it all works out. Man. But, uh, and then it scavenges the waste of the other two. So, I mean, I question, I don't see how you could create a uh, an even cycle, like an even exchange of energy, right. without them ever consuming energy or putting it out as light. But we're just going to accept that they do. I mean, and when was this written? Uh, how many times are we going to go this mic? 65. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to forget every single time. <laughs> just so you know. That's all right. That's my but job. This is, this is a repetition yeah. for our, our viewers. <laughs> uh, I'm here so for, that they for know. the guy that just tuned in. When <laughs> yeah. was this book written? <laughs> yeah. I'm here for you guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that one's in there. Then there is one of the bacteria is a phosphorescent. Mm-hmm. It's also a very sensitive uh, thermotrop. Okay, wait, what? Um, so in the encyclopedia, they have thermotrop, and then uh, other writings I found with a thermotrope with an E on the end. That sounds more correct. Akin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that's more what I'm used to hearing, but uh, I'm at least going to say that because that's what they wrote. Could also just be uh, a spelling error, very easily. You know what? I want to bet it is uh, in the book. Well, science fiction, uh, man. If you write science fiction, it doesn't it, matter how you spell it's hard things. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can like, just get away with it. Is it intentional? <laughs> So that just means that it's uh, attracted to heat sources. Okay. So this bacteria. So they use that to its advantage. And what this means is, uh, so say I throw this glow globe. Oh, and mm-hmm. it's up in the middle of the room now. We turn it on. And if we're standing here, Mike, for a few minutes. It'll start floating towards us? No, that's the more expensive model. Oh. <laughs> we're going to get there, but it will glow brighter on the side with a person. Oh, so it reacts to more heat. The kind of the infrared coming off of you, it's going to, yeah, read that. And basically it glows a little bit brighter to that side. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, so just the presence of you being there causes the glow brighter. And that creates sort of like a uh, a cycle almost, it, right? Yeah. It would just be like, it would make it seem like it's automatic. You, well, exactly. You, That's you what I'm saying. In, yeah, yeah, you walk in, and then the lights all kind of like, slowly yeah, if, dim up. If you're up. not there, they're going to be very dim, almost non-existent. And as soon as you walk in, they'll start brightening up. As soon as you walk by them, they're bright, you know, pretty yep. nice and bright. As you walk by, they start dimming again. Exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. That's super awesome, and actually. And you can adjust that with, um, like, by um, finagling sort of this uh, shell that it's in. It's a molecule plastic that they... A uh, molecule plastic. Yeah, they treat it so that it is clear. But in doing so, it does make it very brittle. And that's why glow globes, uh, you can break them with a sharp blow. With all this knowledge, how are you getting like plasteel and duraluminum wrong, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> Going on. Okay. <laughs> and schlag. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Mike. I don't know. It's because I fake it mostly. <laughs> but uh, it says it generally responds to a person within uh, two meters. And they got to be there for over a minute, though. Oh, so it takes time. It is, yeah. It's like a little kind of a glow on you, but I think it's just kind of cool. Imagine, uh, it'd just be so nice to kind of read a book and this light just... Mm. No, that's, that's really cool. I like that. <laughs> um, 
Now, uh, the last bacteria in there is uh, in there to um, power the suspensor field power generator. And it doesn't actually give me a description of how it's achieving that, but mm-hmm. it's what that Science one fiction. does. It just yeah, does. Just does. Now, great houses, Mike. Mm-hmm. They can afford something a little better. And, uh, <laughs> Enough to lift you up off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. Those aren't gloves. Those are suspensors. Those are different. Yeah, yeah it's using the suspensor field to yeah. full effect. Yeah. Uh, you put a little juice in there. Yeah, we can do that, but... Uh, if we uh, swap out the power bacteria, there's an alternative power bacteria. It's harder, a little more unstable, but oh, is it worth it? What's it do? Well, the, this one, the power bacteria, is also thermentropic. So it's going to move towards heat and react towards so heat. So it causes the globes to move towards you. Well, it just uh, it lets you, um, for some reason, it will affect how the suspensor glows. But so what they do to make it, to trick the movement, because remember, there's no computers or anything. Right, right. But if you line the globe with uh, an array of micro switches, it makes it so like when that bacteria, like whatever orients it te- itself towards those switches that are facing you, that affects how the suspensor field globe or the suspensor field is pushed and it will let it like move slowly. So then those switches will be like, okay, go in that direction. So and then it's, it's when, a bacterial circuit. Yeah. And That's, when it gets like close enough to you, those switches close and it sort of stays in place. And again, you adjust that outer shell to be like, oh, I want it to be a meter. I want it to be two meters. I want it to be this bright. I want it to be this dim. That's how you make a computer without thinking like that's wild. A bun- yeah, a bunch yeah. of switches. Uh, and it, this is enough elaborate guesses. And, it, and then it just seems intelligent almost. And I mean, to an extent, it is alive. Oh, no, it's alive yeah. for sure. It just Small doesn't have collection a collection of creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are all made by this, the house Lucifera on uh, Gallimar produces no. these. Is that right out of the encyclopedia? And it, but it's not mentioned in any of the books. Oh, probably. No. no, yeah. I think Lucifera yeah. is another one where that's like a little... Little, seems like it's pulled directly from like Lucifer. We uh, I, prior to this, we uh, looked into a uh, an item of question, a glossary term uh, that's oh, been yeah. egging you on for a while now, mm-hmm. which was a flower of two pile. Flower of two pile. Now I found what you were talking about. Okay, but it's not from two pile at all. At all. It's from so, but, so you're telling <laughs> there's no flower from Dubile is what you're telling me right now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring this up. But could have done this at a later time. <laughs> Having another glass of wine. It's it's uh and you're right, it was it was the flower mentioned or the fern. It better be it was, a flower. <laughs> it's not a flower, it's a fern. Yeah. It's a fern mentioned, you're right, in the weirding room. You uh-huh. totally guessed that right. But I looked at it closer. It's not from two pile, it's from two poly. Two poly. Two poly. I think that it definitely made me think of like a tulip or something. So is two is two poly in there? Two. The only mention I found in here was in the glossary. Oddly, sandagi, sandagi, sandagi. Yeah. A fern tulip of two poly. Two poly. Right, and so that's is, the only mention. Is there two poly in there? I don't know. I haven't okay, seen two poly. Tease. I don't think it's in the book. No, there's two pile. There's truth trance. There's no two poly. Oh my god. So. That's the only mention of it in the glossary. I don't even know why we would add it to the glossary at that point. But I looked into it a little bit more because I wanted to know like where this planet exists within the Dune universe. It is not in the original Dune. It's not in the extended Dune. It is only in the Dune Encyclopedia. So that's on you to find at this Ooh, point. That's so the only mention of that planet. It's, and it's probably just because he pulled it from the glossary. Right, right. Yeah, the right. encyclopedia part uh, and throwing it in. That is wild. Uh, and then... 
so we chose like this one sliver of the Dune universe to look at, like <laughs> yeah. uh, we the Dune Encyclopedia version, right. not the extended, not the original. Right, right, right. Uh, so I think it is extra funny that then it is the bane of my existence <laughs> that it only appears in this one little glimmer that I've chosen for us to look at. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Oh, and it's not even real. It's just nothing. There's, yeah, nothing, there's nothing that I thought it. existed. There's absolutely nothing on it. Oh, that is crazy. So. Well, um, I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, of them. you can sleep better tonight. <laughs> can I? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like now I just have a different mystery to solve. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? <laughs> that is so infuriating. Uh, like, it was, so, but it was so close to two pile. Like, it totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could have totally mistaken that. Uh, well, I'm glad you didn't get to use it as a glossary game. Yeah, board. I'm a little sad about that. But, like, I did want to bring that up to you. <sighs> Well, Mike, do you know what? Uh, do you know what time that actually brings us to? Oh, is it my time? It's your time. Oh! It's a, we were talking about it too close to the end. I'm like, my notes are done. Well, Wait know, a second. There's only one thing oh, left in this show. You know what uh, Duke Leto keeps saying? <sighs> what do you say, Mike? It says they have tried to take the points from my glossary game. <laughs> well done, sir. Now, Derek, what's going on here? I thought we were going for a tie. I thought we were going for the high road here. I got bored. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm taking the win. I'm doing this Gurney Halleck style. I'm just going for it. I see that we have uh, 10 to 12 in your favor. Yeah. You took I'm, the lead. I took that too, Lynn, that one game. Yeah. It was amazing. That was, to some of us. I'm going to try and uh, bring us back to parody here. Okay. I All got right. uh, two words for you. So last week's words, we had Chamas. Which I realize now was a huge mistake to pick as a word. Yeah, they they really hammer that. Yeah, one. you showed me a couple things from the Dune board game, and it is an item card you can have. Apparently, a very well known like piece of vernacular. Yes, that was a mistake. But that is a poison in solid food, as distinguished from poison administered in some other way. I think uh, was it Merc uh, Murky or Merc Chow Murky Chow Murky. Both of them start with like a the ch. Chow, there yeah. is uh, an alternative spelling for the liquid one. That's just they call it Almus. Well, yeah, that's no, that's in here. It's uh, still Chowmus. A different dialect, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's the same word. They just spell it like, yeah, they some of them use it as like right. Almas. So Almas and Chamas, they're those are poison in solid food. Chamurki is poison in liquid of some sort. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake Which, on me. That's on me. That's on me. That's but on, I Mike, did, I, I gotta get them somehow. <laughs> I did get you with a little bit of a more of a a uh, dictionary kind of uh, definition here with Alat. Do you remember what Alat is? I do. Alat is um, the uh, the ancient son of Terra. Yeah, mankind's and original son. And then we son. use it colloquially as any uh, star in a system. Yeah, the uh, any planet's primary is yes. Alat. So that was a cool one. I really enjoyed that little that, piece. Yeah, that was a great one. And I think then we kind of landed on like uh, how we're going to treat stars going forward. I wonder if sun's going to be our colloquial term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm uh, I'm confident on the second one. Not so much on the first one for today. Okay. Even though, you think, even though you think you're taking the lead back, or you're taking the tie back. I I'm guess. trying to take the tie back. Tie back I'm okay. hoping that it might just go over your head. Okay. It should, it's possible. Some of them have. So this is uh, El Sayal. Uh, okay. Uh, E-L-S-A-Y-A-L. El Sayal. El Sayal. Uh, can you spell that second part again? Uh, S-A-Y-A-L. Okay. El Sayal. Um, why don't you hit me with a hint? All right. Um, I think it, uh, I guess I don't know enough about the, the context of cultures here to really, uh, say this with confidence. I will say instead, uh, 
it has to do with uh, the uh, the sands of Arrakis and Doom. Okay, and, and probably what allows the Fremen to live a little bit. Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, that, 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 I, okay, that one is my like. I'm not quite sure because of the context of I, it. I'm not quite sure what to make out of that. Yeah. So, so um, take that one with a grain sure, of salt. Sure, sure. Um, Elsa, but it, it sounds like a Fremen word. Yes, it does. Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying um, that. it is reminding me of kind of like. I mean, it's not going to be similar, but obviously I'm, I'm looking at like Sihaya. That was the Fremen springtime. We oh, used that's that right. Like one of the last words week. for it. Um, no, the week two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I just said last time week. is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to think and you're, you're telling me it's sand related. And this is something of like, I uh, guess the Fremen, what they do. Sihal. Is it like um, maybe a rock Thing like a rock kind of place, maybe someplace that the Fremen go to or would like to go to. Um, if you're just like the source of life for them, is that how you phrase that? That's like, um, I guess, uh, it's sort of, I guess that is sort of continues to let them live, is what I said, right? Uh, can, is this like, uh, I guess, uh, don't again, take yeah, that yeah, with yeah. a grain of salt. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gonna lead towards like, is this sort of a is it like a religious term or is it gonna be like a direct word? Cause I'm leaning towards you're like, you're not saying anything. I'm going to, I'm going to let you keep that silence. I feel like you don't know how to answer that question. Then I just, I and feel like you're not going to get this. Fair, fair enough. At this I'm point. guessing like <clears throat> a desert or like maybe the beginning of an endless desert in Got sort it. of like a uh, figurative, almost speaking. Okay. And that this is like our great land kind of deal. Okay. Okay. Uh, and sort of like an infiniteness that they know only they can like, um, and are, are worthy of almost. That's, I mean, that sounds like Syrat almost like the sort, very, sort of, yeah. but like just into the desert in general, not like, right, right. uh, to, you know, uh, accepting this as your reality, not as your salvation. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and cut you off. Cause I think that we're just going to get too far away off sure, the tangent. Of sure. Sure. I'll just at. leave. Uh, <laughs> how, <laughs> wrong, how, how wrong was that? Leave the bottle. Uh, <laughs> it is me? the, and you'll probably recognize this once I say it, the okay. rain of sand. Rain of sand. Okay. A fall of dust, which has been carried to a medium altitude of around 2,000 meters by Coriolis storms. Uh, L-Siles frequently bring moisture to ground level. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is really so that's cool. So that's why I kind of assume yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Fremen probably use that as a way to collect water, which is incredibly important to them. Uh, it may be wrong, but like that yeah. was, that's why I said, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. It more I, has to do with the, the sand itself. I think it uh, is, I don't know if you'd be able to collect the water, but I feel like it's this macro literally bringing even just that little bit of moisture yeah. down. So maybe a wind trap would catch it or something. Yeah. Uh, but not in any kind of like way you collect. What that brings up into my mind, though, is um, remember that word for the Bene Gesserit group, the Vergea? Yeah. Or the Virga, which is that rain that doesn't touch the f- ground. Oh, yeah. Of, like the sand just going up so high yeah. and like coming down. I wonder if it just like yes, dissipates that, into dust. That's what happens. The sand goes so high up in the atmosphere, it actually does collect some of the moisture and comes back down. Yeah. I bet. Do you that think that's what allows some of the plant life to live anywhere? Like uh, sort of subtly? Maybe. I mean, it's got to be part of the system. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Somehow uh, keeps things alive. Something might have adapted to it uh, to some extent. I don't know how reliable it is. Uh, as a source of probably water, the but. sandworms at least because uh, they're organics they need to have some sort of like water to keep them going uh i'm gonna tell you water will kill a sandworm wait what i said water boy will kill a <laughs> sandworm yeah mysteries oh that throws a wrench in my whole like 
water mystery with uh, Yui and Jessica were talking about with like plugging. Wait, what? So wait, they're not. Wait, so this is like uh, this is like science style alien where water is just bad for them. Yeah, they will avo- they will avoid water. Oh, oh, yeah. wait, what? Okay, I guess. Okay, so make I could. But, mm. All right, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm kind of enjoying you bouncing back and forth <laughs> right. in your head, and like not one complete sentence is yeah. coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> but I think you have a second glossary word. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Then we'll come back to worm theory. Oh, yeah, and perfect. Then, then we'll wrap this right. one up. That should be a segment, worm theory. <laughs> and you just, your eyes are just going left, right, wait, what? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> all right, all right. Pin in that for now. Uh-huh. I'll get a ball of yarn. Second word. I may <laughs> pronounce this incorrectly. Give me a moment here. Uh, mushtamal. It's either mushtamal or mushtamal. That's, that's great. Getting us to parody, Derek. Okay. Take the gloves off. Are these like six people to push together? You mushed them all together? Is that what you just said to me? No. Can you spell it? M-U-S-H-T-A-M-A-L. Okay. Hmm. All right. All right. And then uh, clue me up. Um, Probably something you wouldn't see the Fremen with. Okay. Is it an animal? Um, No. Definitely okay. not. That is my only, definitely not. Only guess there. Uh, a mustamal that I wouldn't see the Fremen with. Yeah. This would be very uh, weirding for a Fremen, I think, if I'm taking any context from the weirding room and Lady Jessica. Interesting. And I mean, that kind of confuses me more so Mm -hmm. if that means like in a Bene Jessica. That means I'm doing my work correctly. Yeah, yeah. No, you're doing it good. A mustamal. Ah. Oh, that's a weird one. Uh, I definitely don't know. So I'm going to kind of going with you saying it's something with the Bene Gesserit, maybe more so than the Fremen. You don't really know the Fremen too well. No, I think that means so. the Bene Gesserit is less of a, a hint and more uh, uh, just because Lady Jessica was in the weirding room. In that, okay, me. in that room. Yeah. So is this maybe like, um, is it a plant? It is not Can a plant. It, no. <sighs> okay, I'm going to... I'm gonna have to accept that I don't know this one. All right, sure. And then I think I'm gonna go with like, uh, is it like a piece of clothing? Should I just like 20 questions nah. this out of you? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it a worm? No. Yeah. Is it a tool then? No. It yeah, is it a was. small garden annex or garden courtyard. Oh, very yeah. cool. So that is gonna remind me what was um that imperial chamber that we had in there? Oh, the solemn leak. Solemn leak. I don't know why I have that ingrained now. I'm glad you do. Yeah. But the, say it one more time. The uh, Mushtamal is Mushtamal. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like a room that a lot of you put a lot of people in, but they are like elbow to elbow. <laughs> Mushtamal. That's how you feel on the bus. Mushtamal. So uh, a garden, like a garden annex. Yeah, that is a, really cool. It's something you would definitely see on Cal- Caladan, I feel. Do do we know if they use that in that? I didn't. I don't think that it's, came up in that chapter it's, in chapter eight. No, I haven't we heard it anywhere yet. Okay. So it'll have to be mentioned offhandly. I severely doubt it's within Arrakis as a whole, unless it's something like the Weirding Room. Or no, like, no, no. I, oh, the Carthag has it, like a little like mushtamal somewhere. I, I have an idea of where it could be. I think okay. it, I think it is on Arrakis. Okay. Um, it, so like the two options I'm leaning for right now are it's either something on Arrakis or it's part of like the Imperial Palace. Yeah, like a story that was where of, the like, when we were was. here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's probably that's probably what's going on that there. That is super cool. That's about, great. That's bringing us up to 12 12. Back to a tie. This, oh. game, this game is rigged. Oh. <laughs> it's a shame. I love it. All right. Um, but Back worm to theory. Worm theory. Worm theory. This is what we really want. This is what I really want. 
This is what you need to, yeah, you need to get some words out of okay. your head and so, try to put this on to. They're not, they do, okay, water's bad. Yes. So they don't rely on water. Correct. Which makes sense because they've grown yeah. to such a huge size. In the desert. In the desert where there's like very little to no water. Where we're told like this is even more than just a desert as we would know it. Right. Like this is an extreme. Yeah. To an odd and peculiar level. How do they get so big though? What do they eat? Like what do they get their energy from? Hmm. Is there like a really large creature you can think of that could be analogous to it? <sighs> I mean, whales are probably the biggest one, and they yeah. eat the tiniest little creature. So huh. maybe they're while moving through a, a weird medium. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe there's something that they do. You think they eat the spice somehow? Well, they're related to the spice. They are definitely related to the spice. Okay, there is. A, I think we were even told wherever there's spice is going to be a worm. Right, 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 right. Because that's why spice hunting is so dangerous. Well, no, I thought it was because the sounds that you make from spice hunting that you attract a worm. Uh, it, it's both. So the sounds do do it, but, uh, when the spice comes, it comes from a spice blow, which is basically spice below spice blow blow it, blow like B L O W. And it is like a burst of an explosion that happens. Oh, where the spice erupts onto the surface. Wait, what? And so that, that it kind of creates the first tremor that I would say is the first like call to the worm. Okay. Wait a second. What? Yeah, but so what is the main thing you're want to trying to like wrap your head? Certainly, you can't get yeah. any answers. We don't have enough yeah. clues. <laughs> no, no, there's not nearly enough, enough information. Uh, no, that just that was kind of a that was a left field. Took me off guard. I don't know. I'm gonna have to rethink. I'm tearing down this board, Derek. We're starting no. fresh. <laughs> well, we are getting really, really close to uh, heading out on the sands, Mike, and going on a little spice adventure ourselves. Is that gonna be chapter twelve? Are we not going? chapter twelve. Like, it's, oh. but it's it's right around the bend. Uh, okay, we got to do some. We got some office stuff. We got to get right. through. Oh, gotta, there's a war meeting or a war council or yeah. something, right? And we're we're booked solid for the oh. rest of the <laughs> afternoon. So. This is still the same day, technically, day right? One. Like, this is. Thank God, Jessica got to break this chapter. Yeah, right. I hope. She had three chapters of just terrible things happening. Why didn't you marry him? Why didn't you marry him? <laughs> Every single time. Even in the weirding room. On a letter from uh, Lady Fenring. Like, oh, she married her lord. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Dang. Okay. Well, obviously we uh, are coming to a close of this day. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's a lot to leave on. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. But I got to. I got to. Yeah, um, next week, though, we are going to be joining in. Paul is going to arrive. So he was in that car. So he's in the car. Yeah, he's going to come up. Him and the Duke are going to have a little heart to heart. Oh, good, good. And uh, hey, <laughs> are you okay? Like, eh, should we fire through fear? Uh, oh, we'll really? A few things. He's dropped the ball, Mike. How, how do you feel about him right now? Oh, okay. So I've only had the one interaction with through fear. I mean, you know my thoughts earlier, like, if you're starting to slip, like, how do you approach that situation? I think maybe the Duke might have similar thoughts to me, like, I'm not quite oh, sure. I think the Duke let you know his thoughts so far today oh. when Gurney brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Take old Yellow out back. <laughs> no! And Jessica even seemed, you know, like, Paul wanted to get rid of him right away. Jessica seemed like the only reason we're not doing this thing is so that we don't hurt our mentat. He's the only one we can't afford another one. It's true. Paul is like has potential, but, but he's not a mentat. But we almost can't afford to have Hawa. Oh my gosh. Dun, dun. It's going to get tense. It's going to be on the edge. And this is actually going to happen before our staff meeting. Oh we're gonna, man. We're going to have to have this. Who's at the bar. staff meeting? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. And uh, I think that does it for this week, Mike. If you got a question for us, you know, a line that we can afford. 
You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at SpiceWorldPod. You can reach us by email at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And you can also see our website, SpiceWorldPod.com, where we'll be posting our episodes every week. And all of our extra bits and doodads. Yeah, I have anything, a any little special thing find. going oh, back, Mike. What uh, do you have? I have a Dune pop-up book. Wait. From the 1984 movie with David Lynch. It has five scenes in it. And I've set them up, and we're going to have a little GIF image uh, rotating ah! a camera around the edge of it, and we're going to throw that up for everyone. That's actually awesome. So we'll put them up one at a time on the Instagram, and then I'm going to put them on the chapter notes on our webpage. Okay. So they'll tie in for where they where the scenes yeah, actually Yeah, the little depict. like blurb we have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. uh, so people can go back and check in on that. We're always trying to add in little things. Yeah. And, uh, and any, any uh, feedback you guys have on that, let us know, because we just, again, we're not designers of websites. We will take any uh, information we can to try and make it a little bit better. We'll take any help we can. <laughs> yeah. Make it blue. You got it. <laughs> Sounds good. The people want blue, Derek. They didn't like black text <laughs> on a black background. It's so weird. <laughs> I thought it was very fresh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, we'll be very back. Harkening. <laughs> we'll be back for chapter 12. We'll we'll decide Hawat's fate when the time comes, I guess. Oh man, that's actually kind of nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but Mike, until then, the spice, spice must, must flow. So, um, these are organic, uh, organically, or, or, or <laughs> what? <laughs> <Stop it. laughs> I like started to pick myself back up and you just pushed me back down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just got to get through one section. Just finish the sentence. Uh, so glow globes or organically phosphorescent light sources buoyed in a suspensor field. Okay. Yeah. If you just finished the sentence, <laughs> I think I would have been on board. <laughs> I know. <laughs>